This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Online and on DAB Digital Radio. TalkSport 2 Live. Very good evening to you and welcome to TalkSport 2 Live, the fans forum. We're here for the next two hours discussing all the issues that matter to the country's football fans, from the EFL to the Premier League and beyond. And it's a West London love-in tonight. We'll focus on Fulham and their decidedly mixed start to life back in the Premier League. How does Slavisa Kanovic get the best out of a raft of new signings? Near neighbours Brentford also on the agenda. We'll delve into the secrets behind the ins and outs at Griffin Park. And can Dean Smith's side make the jump from the championship to the top flight? We'll talk Tottenham and Bournemouth, plus some of the more quirky stories of the weekend. And you'll hear from the father and son ground-hopping duo who have done the 92. All that and more to come. First, though, these are your headlines at 6 o'clock on TalkSport 2. Kieran Trippier and Toby Alderweireld haven't travelled with the Tottenham squad to face Inter Milan in the Champions League tomorrow. Roberto Firmino misses Liverpool training ahead of tomorrow's Champions League clash with PSG. And Chris Hewton wants Brighton to turn away to turn away performances into victories when they take on Southampton tonight. Lots more to come then. It's TalkSport 2 Live, the Fans Forum. is the full-time whistle. Liverpool have five wins from five to start the campaign. Just the third time they've done that in their history and they will at least be level on top of the Premier League at the end of today. Tottenham one, Liverpool two. Hickam, Manchester City. Sane in the centre and he scores. And City in front already. And it's Leroy Sane on his return to the first team. It's a second goal for Bournemouth and a second goal of the afternoon for Ryan Fraser. Huddersfield nil, Palace one. Wilfred Zaha is the man who's got the goal. It was a beautiful strike. He's curled it round Jonas Lussel in the Huddersfield town. It is Manchester City 3, Fulham 0. Raheem Sterling had a chance in the first half, couldn't take that one. There is no way he could have missed this one. Now Xhaka's away down the left-hand side, pulls it back for Lacazette to try and drive. It's blocked by Fernandes and Ozil puts the rebound home. 
for number two for Arsenal. Number four, Leicester City nil. Adam Smith arriving just on the edge of the penalty area. Low right-footed effort. Three paces back for Hazard against Neil Etheridge, who saved a couple this season from the spot. He ain't saving that one. No one saves that one. Etheridge goes the wrong way. Three for Hazard. Five wins out of five for Chelsea. As the ball goes towards the far post, Fellaini with a header towards Smalling, who turns and fires it home. It's an Excellent goal. Another set-piece goal from Manchester United. Well worked from the right. Delivered towards the back post to Fellaini, who nudges it into the path of Smalling, who chests it and hooks it over his shoulder. And Manchester United find a way to quash the buzz around the high-flying Hornets. It's Watford nil. Manchester United 2. An opportunity for Costa again. Doherty's continued his run inside the penalty. Oh, he had no right to be able to wrap his foot around that. And he's played it back for him who, with a kind little kiss off the inside of the post, gives Wolves a thoroughly deserved lead. First points then for West Ham, first defeat for Everton. Everton won, West Ham United 3. About how the weekend sounded then across Talk Sport and Talk Sport 2. Just some breaking news in the last few seconds to mention quickly. Six Carabao Cup third round fixtures and will be officiated with the use of video assistant referees. The uh, Football League has announced at Manchester United Derby, Wolves Leicester, Arsenal Brentford, West Ham Macclesfield, Liverpool Chelsea, Everton against Southampton will utilise VAR. That's an increase in the four games using the technology in round two. It's TalkSport 2 Live, though, the fans forum. I'm Joe Shannon. Let's introduce our studio guests tonight. As I mentioned at the top of the programme, it is a bit of a West London love-in this evening. Uh, Sammy James from the Fulhamish podcast is with us, representing the Cottagers, of course. Sammy? Good evening, Joe. Good to have you with us. And sparring with Sammy this evening, no doubt. Big Brentford fan from the Besotted podcast, Billy Grant, good to have you with us. Hello, Joe. How are you doing? I feel a bit set up here, actually. You didn't tell me this was going to be a, a sparring <laughs> session with the full of <laughs> Did you not know I was very here? Friendly. I did not know you were here at all. Ah. This is one of the things I did want to ask you both, actually, because West London derbies are an interesting thing, aren't they? You know, QPR, Chelsea, Brentford and Fulham. Who are your biggest rivals? Brentford, first of all, Billy. Who are your big West London rivals? Who's that game that you look forward to the most? It does depend on the age range and certain different things. But for me, it's 100% is Fulham. We love going to Fulham. We go to Craven Cottage. We have a great time. We always take almost maximum points down there. And we have a great day out. (laughs) And even when they come to Griffin Park, they don't really do very well. So we love going to Fulham. They haven't beaten us for about 150 years, I don't think. But, um, you know, maybe maybe next season they uh, they can change that. But QPR... If older, because obviously QPR tried to take over Brentford in 1967, so a lot of the older fans really hate QPR, and also a lot of the younger fans do as well. So it really does depend. But QPR have become a little bit of a kind of, every time we play them, it's a bit, it's just a bit of a one-way traffic now. So I don't know, QPR, not so much so. Sammy, so close to Chelsea, of course. Uh, Chelsea being in Fulham, isn't it, technically the ground, uh, which is something that I'm sure you lord over them as much as you can. But are they your biggest West London rivals? Um. I think if you ask a lot of Fulham fans, Chelsea is always the team Fulham fans want to get one over because they're the big brother. Um, Chelsea only exists because of Fulham. You know, Stamford Bridge was built for Fulham. Fulham turned it down to stay at Craven Cottage. And so the owner of Stamford Bridge made his own football club and called it Chelsea. So traditionally, Chelsea is the one. They're the one that we've played the most amount of times, shared a league with most. But I, for me personally, especially in the past decade, such a gap has been bridged. And with the way that modern football is now, look, Chelsea won the Champions League 
six years ago. And yeah. and ever since that day, for me, it just became an unrealistic rivalry. Sure. We had such a terrible record against them that we just never got one over them. And yeah, we might get the odd win against them. I'd love to go. I'd love to win at Stamford Bridge. That would that would make my decade, make my year for for, for being a Fulham fan if that ha- could happen. But really, the ones that are proper derbies for me are. Brentford and QPR. I really don't like QPR. <laughs> Brentford, it's just quite funny to be a little bit at arm's length. Right. But, you know, there is definitely... Relief, re- I think, was the point in it, Sammy. There is a real, there is a real <laughs> rivalry now between Fulham and Brentford, and, and we always love getting one over them, and they do have an annoyingly good record uh, against us. That leads me neatly on to my next point, actually. I was going to ask you both. Um, your favourite memory of a derby between your two sides. Sammy, have you gone to Griffin Park and, uh, and simply had an afternoon you never forget? And Billy, start with you first of all. Your best memories of a trip to Craven Cottage? I think I know the answer. I can't. There's so, they're, they're, literally, honestly, <laughs> there are so many. Too many Right, okay, last season was fantastic. And the fun, the funny thing is, right, we were kind of vying for the playoffs, but we, we kind of knew we weren't really going to get there. But it didn't really matter because our season was extended all the way to almost to the end of the season. We played Fulham, the, I think it was the second to last away game of the season. They needed to beat us really to get into the playoffs. Um, we played very well. But they went 2-1 up, admittedly, because Fulham, you know, when it comes to their strike force, very good. So they got the two goals. 2-1 up is the 95th minute, and Malpay came and scored a goal in the 95th minute. And Fulham fans were literally, there was tears and there's crying and all sorts of stuff going on. And it was, it, was, it was the best moment and also the funniest moment. And if, if, in our podcast we did at the end of the season, we also, we, we polled everybody and everyone said, what was the funniest moment of the season? And everyone said, Malpay in the last minute. So uh, that was great because obviously he took over from previously when we had hot who played for us as well when we first in the league and we played them first time and uh, you know we, we, we played them at Griffin Park and it was fantastic really 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 tense atmosphere and Hotter popped up and scored a goal in the last minute at Griffin Park and that was he's became the god of Brentford after that he could do no wrong it was absolutely fantastic that's until just he, until he left you on deadline day for Birmingham yeah, yeah, he did. they gave us <laughs> lots of money we just bought better players but that's what we do it started already Sammy um, Griffin Park memories I've stood on that um, double decker terrace at the bottom and I've yeah. sat in the seats above as well um, it is one of my favourite bo- actually I have to say both Brentford and Fulham for different reasons are two of my favourite grounds in the AFL um, Fulham I think is um, is one of the most glorious the, the walk up through Bishop's Park as you go along the Thames yeah. and then you know the anti antiquated nature of parts of the stadium. The f- I think the main stand is still a listed building, isn't it? The Johnny yeah, Haynes stand. Yeah. Um, but as far as Griffin Park is concerned, any memories that stand out? Uh, well, we've had a, a couple of wins there uh, in the past few years. Last season was actually a pretty grim one uh, back in December. That's my only actual trip to, to Griffin yeah. Park. It was last season when we lost lost 3-1 and it wasn't particularly <laughs> one to remember. But there was a Friday night uh, two seasons ago where, where we won 2-0 and, and Tom Kearney scored uh, in the final minute, and it was actually one of those coming-of-age games, really, for Fulham, yeah. where it set us on uh, to have a, an unbelievable push uh, for the playoffs. It was around November, December. We were kind of inconsistent at the time, but we got that 2-0 win at our rivals, and it gave the whole squad a real confidence boost because we knew we knew always know that going to Griffin Park's a tough game. We won there 2-0, and it was a real springboard. So I think that is most Fulham fans... Uh, favorite memory uh, yeah, of going to only, Griffin Park. It's your only win, though, isn't it? In about twenty-five years. <laughs> yeah, but you sent. You mentioned the more pay thing, yes. where you got the uh, last-minute equaliser yeah. last year. It meant that we didn't get automatic promotion in That's the end. Right, uh, th- those two points, and, and it ended up meaning we got to go to the playoffs go to Wembley and have one of the greatest days of our Fulham lives. So actually, we have a lot to thank Brentford for. And you were thinking about that at the time, weren't you? 
We are so <laughs> thankful to Neil Morpay for scoring that goal that allowed us to go to Wembley and live the dream. Against These games are something special, though, aren't they? These derby games in particular. I always think as a football fan um, and somebody who grew up um, in and around High Wycombe. So I've seen a lot of League Two local derbies involving Wycombe and the likes of Oxford, the likes of Luton, perhaps. Have you, just, I... have you just got out the Wycombe car park? <laughs> Only just, yeah. <laughs> it's notorious, isn't it? Oh. It's, so the, the ground, just to give people a flavour, um, is right at the end of a windy industrial estate. There's one road in, there's one road out. And as you know, Billy, um, it's not a particularly wide road. Uh, it's not a particularly smooth road. It's a bumpy road up to the ground. And yet, I'm afraid Adams Park is notorious for waiting times, about an hour and a half to get out of the car park at the end of the game. However much they try, it's never got any better over the no. years. What's your record? Uh, at Adams Park. At Adams Park uh, to get out. Longer uh, than the game itself? Oh, 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 well, what we normally do is that we just pop into the pop into the bar, you know. Yeah. So there's a bar inside the ground. You pop in Good there choice. for about two hours. And then when you come out, you've still probably got another hour's wait anyway. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, gents, let's just briefly talk uh, generally for a second. And I hate to mention Chelsea in the presence of you two again, but we are going to mention Chelsea Never just briefly it. here. Um are they genuine title challengers, Sammy? Five wins from five in the Premier League. It was interesting, Maurizio Sarri saying earlier this week that he only saw Liverpool and Manchester City as the two teams that can win the Premier League this season. But do you think Chelsea mean business? 100%. 100%. Any team that's got Eden Hazard in the form he's in is always going to be a title challenger. I think this could finally be the season where we see him live up to his potential. I know he's had flashes of brilliance, good runs in the past and has changed games numerous times for Chelsea, but he looks so much freer. Sarri's playing him in a system that actually suits him rather than Mourinho and Conte who wanted Eden Hazard to do some defending for them. Let the man breathe. Let him dictate your play and that's what he can do. I love Maurizio Sarri. And I've actually never been that jealous of Chelsea before, despite all the success, all the titles, all the FA Cups, all the trophies. I've never really been that jealous of Chelsea because I've never thought they play that nicer brand of football. I've always just thought it, it it's just never been a very attractive club as a proposition to me. But under Maurizio Sarri, he just plays such wonderful football. We saw them a few times, uh, saw him you know, manage Napoli a few times last season and what wonderful system of, of flowing football they played. And he's brought it into Chelsea. I'm just amazed he's brought it in as quick as he has. That was what I didn't expect because normally with Sarri, it takes him a season or two and I'm amazing, amazed he's hit the ground running quite so impressively. Sammy James of the Fulhamish podcast is with us. Billy Grant also in the studio from the Be Sotted podcast. We will talk Brentford in more detail later this hour. And we'll focus on Bournemouth as well. Peter Bell from the Cherry Chimes blog will be with us on the phone to discuss their best start to a Premier League season. And coming up next, we will focus on the Cottagers after their mixed start to the Premier League campaign. The focus is on Fulham next on TalkSport 2 Live, the Fans Forum. Online and on DAB Digital Radio. TalkSport 2 Live. Good evening, TalkSport 2 Live, the fans forum. I'm your host, Joe Shannon. These are your headlines. Deli Alley and Hugo Lloris have been ruled out of Tottenham's Champions League opener tomorrow. Roberto Firmino misses Liverpool training ahead of tomorrow's Champions League clash with PSG. And Southampton go for just their second Premier League win of the season this evening when they take on Brighton at home. It's TalkSport 2 Live. Manchester City 3, Fulham 0. And after Raheem Sterling tapped in number 3 just a couple of minutes into the second half, this was a cruise. As routine a win as you're ever likely to see. So we started the game uh, like we started the game. And we, 
start the second half, like we start the second half, it's not easy for uh, for find something uh, positive in place where we play actually uh, right now and, uh, and today afternoon. Uh, for be honest, the result is completely fair. They play better football than uh, they does. We watched a lot of footage on them and uh, been very impressed with them. Uh, the build-up play, the desire to keep the ball. I mean, they, they never sat back once, they always tried to play. We never usually have to run about as much, uh, but today we seem to have to chase them a little bit at times, but I felt like 3-0 uh, was, was a good scoreline, but I feel like we, we could have scored a lot more goals than we did. So the focus turning to Fulham here on the Fans Forum. Billy Grant from the Besotted podcast is with us in the studio. Sammy James from the Fulhamish podcast joins us as well. Uh, Sammy, let's talk the start to the season then. You heard there from Slavisa Kanovic and Fabian Delph, who was quite complimentary about your side, mm. and Pep Guardiola as well, despite the... 3-0 defeat at the Etihad at the weekend. Uh, just a single win this season. Tell us tell us all about what the start's been like. I mean, first of all, it must be great to be back in the Premier League. It's OK to be back. OK. No, but it is, it, obviously, I wanted promotion and I was delighted that day at Wembley. And I mostly wanted promotion to keep this very talented squad and manager together because it would have just yeah. been picked apart in the summer. It would have just been takings for for all the Premier League clubs uh, and maybe even abroad as well for for some of our most talented players and I knew that Fulham can be a formidable force in the Premier League but for me personally as a fan I don't know if there's a huge amount of difference to supporting your team in the Championship or supporting your team in the Premier League there's kind of pros and cons to both so as a complete fan it's okay but also Fulham were in the Premier League for 13 years so it's not this isn't we're not Huddersfield fans we're not even Cardiff fans we we are fairly used to is there Premier League fatigue then already? Possibly? No, there isn't Premier League fatigue. But I think when you go up to Man City on Saturday and you knew you were going to get a batter in, I, it reminds me some of those feelings that I used to have when I was back in the Premier League. And don't get me wrong, if we went and beat Arsenal at the Cottage in a few weeks' time, I'm sure I'll be coming back on your show and saying, the Premier League's great, it's awesome. At the moment, I'm in a bit of a... It's cool to be back. I'm amazed with some of the signings we've got and I'm excited to see where this Fulham team goes. It's been a mixed start in terms of results. One win from five doesn't look that great on the face of it. We've faced two teams that finished in the top four away from home out of those five where you can... I know Spurs haven't had the greatest of starts, but you can't expect to get any points from those. Uh, The Burnley win was good. The Brighton draw was a bit disappointing considering we were were 2-0 up, but the Amex is a really hard place to go. The only game, I think, where Fulham underperformed completely was the opening game of the season where we lost to Palace at home and realistically I think if that game had been in a few months time I think that Fulham could have won that game Palace are no mugs but I think we were more than a match for them but we just kind of I think Slav got out tacticianed by Roy Hodgson who's you know a veteran of this game and yeah. that's no that's no discredit to Slavisus yeah Premier League lives all right but I'm not going to come on here and say it's the best thing ever that's interesting and Billy I just wonder as a Brentford fan um whose side have never been in the Premier League and I say the Premier League you know in this, the form, league that in this was format in, the, in this format since 92 but does that does that worry you I mean how does that make you feel hearing that you know I, I know Fulham have, have had you know 13 years as Sammy said in the Premier League then they were relegated now they're back in it but how does that make you feel hearing that just five games into the Premier League season well it's a weird thing I think with the Premier League, um, obviously, as a football fan, you want to achieve the highest, you know, that you can ever get as a football fan. So naturally, you'll think 
we want to get the Premier League. We want to get as high as possible. But also, don't forget, we've been Brentford fans for years. We're basically we've been pretty rubbish, and we're used to being rubbish. <laughs> and your whole life and your football world revolves around being fairly rubbish. So you end up doing lots of things, which we, we, we call it kick football out of football. And that's what we do. Basically, we do everything around the game. I mean, Sammy's been out with us. We have a right laugh before the game, after the game, you know, all around it. And then the football turns out we're like, oh no, and it actually spoils it. So we like to kick football out of football. So we've done that, and all of a sudden. We start to become, you know, fairly good now, and the football has actually become an important part of the game. So when you become fairly good, you think we want to go up to the Premier League because you want to show people and showcase to people what it's all about. And also, you, I mean, I'd love fans to come down to Griffin Park. I'd love Man United to come down to Griffin Park, just like when Chelsea came down about four or five years ago, and they walked in the dressing room. You sort of saw like rabbit in the headlights. Oh my God, what's this? And they walked out on the pitch. There's like twelve thousand <laughs> rabid fans, like you know what I'm saying. And they're thinking, oh, I, need, I want to go back to my sort of nice soft. soft Soft, soft couches you know so I'd love to have that but on the flip side I'm also a little bit worried because it does have there is a bit of a negativity around the Premier League and you do lose something and the Championship is a, a really fantastic league to be in it's great fun the fans are great fun the football's great fun anybody can win anyone can lose you know which is all you know which is all good but for me you've got to go there and at least try it out do you lose that intimacy, Sammy? Do you lose that closeness to the players and the squad? And, of course, you're winning games, aren't you, week in, week out of the Championship? And picking up results is the thing that is going to make you feel good at half past five on a Saturday afternoon. You do lose a bit of it. Look, we, we had a... I, I, to be honest, as a football fan, I think it was perfect. Four years in the Championship was a nice time to be down there. We got to save uh, a ton of different grounds, a ton of new experiences. And, and as someone that only really remembered Premier League football... Before that, I do remember Fulham going up to the Premier League, but it was I was quite young back then. And so Premier League was kind of all I really knew. Going down to the Championship was brilliant. And it's been fantastic for our fan base, actually. I think there's been a whole new generation of young fans that are now travelling uh, with Fulham home and away. And the Championship uh, allowed them to do that. And, and winning helps because... People, lots of people want to start supporting a team that's that's winning and it meant that we got a new breed of fans and, and it was fantastic but I'm happy to be back in the Premier League and I, I'm excited by the challenge you go to Man City and it was always going to be difficult conceding after two minutes doesn't help um, it was a bit of a <laughs> bit of a criminal mistake from John McElserry of all players. Yeah, um, he's been so for, good, hasn't he? This season? I mean, that goal against Burnley was some goal. Yeah, and, and he's all round play. He is a player who... I just can so see him getting a big move in the summer. As long as he doesn't do too many uh, stray passes like he did on on, on Saturday, he he's destined for great things. He's much older than you realise. He's only, he's twenty seven, twenty eight. So a big move if he's going to get one, kind of has to come soon. But yeah, he he's incredible. The, the no look passes, um, the way that he can control and dictate the play, it's it, it's a level above what Fulham have ever been used to and, and some of us are already starting to say we think he may be the best player that Fulham have had in the past that 15 years and, and Moussa Dembele I think the one that went to Spurs yep. not, not the one that went to Celtic um, we, we always kind of put up there as one of our greatest ever midfielders and we already think that John McElserry looks even a notch above him Ton of signings in the summer as well. I think it's about hundred million, isn't it, on the players that you brought in? Does Slavisa know his best side, though? I mean, that that is the big question, isn't it? Yeah. He doesn't seem to know, particularly defensively. He can't yeah. seem to sort out his central defensive partnership. It's a bit all over the place. It isn't is it? all over the place. He doesn't know his best side. Bettinelli's back as the keeper, and I think is that a good we, decision? We we all thought he was going to be third choice going into the season. I think it is because I think at the moment there's a communication problem amongst the defence. Our two keepers yeah. that we signed, from what I've heard, can't speak very good English, and. I 
I think just having bets there, a calming, composing presence. He's a good keeper. He's not the world's greatest called keeper. Called up by England. But, yeah, called up by England, and I'm delighted for Marcus for that. But yeah, we need to sort out our, our back five. I, personally, I think Joe Bryan, who we signed from Bristol City, should be starting every week. I don't know why Stav has been dropping him for the past few games. I love Timothy Fosu-Mensa, who's come from Man United. I'd like to just see them regularly. We're struggling without Tim Ream, player of the season last year. He's got a back injury. We don't know when he's coming back. So yeah, Fulham needs to just get a bit of stability and Slav needs to work out his best 11. I'm interested as well because obviously Fulham spent a lot of money this summer. I mean, we were we were surprised, you know, 100 million, as they say. I mean, their players are just coming in. It's like the conveyor belt of players coming in. The approach that you've taken compared to Burnley, because Burnley were a little bit less, you know, they, they spent a lot less money. Yeah. yeah. You know, and do you think that your approach was the right approach, or do you think that the way that Burnley have done it and they've done it consolidate themselves and then they're trying to build from there? Because you're kind of, if it doesn't work for you, you've blown it and it's going to yeah. be all over, isn't it? Well, I had a really interesting debate with Natalie, who runs No Nay Never, the Burnley podcast, before we played them a few weeks ago. And we, I asked her this very question. I said, Do you look at Fulham and think that's the wrong way to go about it? And she said, Look, um, Different things work for different clubs. Burnley were never going to go spend that amount of money because they just didn't have those kind of resources. I would personally have quite liked a halfway house. I think Fulham needed to spend the big money and I got very excited when we signed um, Seri, when we signed Scherler, when we signed Mitrovic. I don't know if we needed to sign an entire new team. It's too though, many changes like in did. too short a space of time, right? I mean, you kind of said quite early on in the season that this was a case of having signed so many players yeah. at or on deadline day that it's it's going to be hard for anybody to integrate them into a new system and get them getting results from the off. Well, imagine trying to form some kind of team bond. I mean, yes, there's the 11 players on the pitch, but also it's a squad game. And they must have been sitting on that coach the day after deadline day thinking, sorry, um... Hi, hi, Kevin McDonald. Nice to meet you. You know, meeting five, six new players. It must have just been a bit of a, a mad time to be around Mottsburg Park and then trying to start a Premier League campaign days after. It's all a bit mad for me. Personally, I just think that Fulham should have trusted a little more some of the squad that got us up there. But also, some of our squad was made up of loanees, and that's the problem. Most yeah. sides that will come up to the Premier League are made up of loanees anyway, so there's naturally going to be some change because you might not keep those loanees. But don't you feel as well sort of like slightly cheated because, again, you come down the championship and you do things in a particular way and you sort of look at these teams, you look at the way that Chelsea have done it and everyone says, yeah, brilliant side and Manchester City. I mean, you talked about Manchester City. We talked a bit earlier about their 750 passes and the fact that you go there, you know, you've got no chance of beating them. It's like playing Monopoly and the opposite person's got all the houses, got everything on the board and you're just going around there. You know you're going to lose because if they've got this so much money, don't you think there's a little bit of cheating the fact that you just go and try and buy your way into the league because at the end of the day if you throw so much money eventually it's going to work and it's a funny how it but ultimately it? if you are to survive in the Premier League and that's what our owners want we don't just we're not up here for a season and he's two. got a lot of money like a Huddersfield like Huddersfield really as far as I can see are there for a good time a couple of seasons two or three seasons they will probably go down eventually because they're just not spending the money that will keep them up there ultimately we had to spend that amount of money to establish ourselves in that division and so did Wolves but if you've got long-term ambitions to stay there 10 15 years you have to go out and spend the money it's just a fact of life it's sad for some of the players it's a bit difficult as a fan but ultimately it's just it's just the nature of the beast Billy Gents, we will talk about um, Ryan Sessegnon later on as well um, and how he's going to fit into the Fulham side. We'll do that a little bit later here on TalkSport 2 Live, the Fans Forum. Uh, Brentford we'll talk about with Billy in detail as well before the end of the hour. I'm still beaming. I 
Absolutely. It's a great start to the season, second in the table in the Championship. Um, and Bournemouth coming next. Uh, Peter Bell of the Cherry Chimes blog will be with us to discuss their best start to a Premier League campaign. And don't forget, tomorrow night on Talk Sport Live, full commentary uh, from the Championship as the league leaders' leads take on Preston. Online and on DAB Digital Radio. Talk Sport 2 Live. the Fans Forum on TalkSport 2 Live here for the next hour and a half discussing all the issues that matter to the country's football supporters. We'll focus on Brentford a little bit later on. The father and son ground-hopping duo after 7 o'clock. They've done the 92. They're finishing off at the weekend. We'll hear all about them. Uh, and coming up next, we'll talk Bournemouth. First, though, the headlines. Six Carabao Cup third-round fixtures are to be officiated with the use of VAR. Kieran Trippier and Toby Alderweireld haven't travelled with the Tottenham squad to face Inter Milan tomorrow. Derby manager Frank Lampard has accepted a charge of improper conduct from the FA. You're listening to TalkSport 2 Live, the Fans Forum. Bournemouth 4, Leicester 2. Most of the damage was done by the Cherries in a scintillating first half to Spain. We were... You know, struggling at the start of the season, and it was an uncomfortable feel. We knew that we had a long way back from that point. I think this year the beauty is that we are growing in confidence, and we're a new team. You know, three new players on show today, which is unusual for us to have that mix so early. And I thought they all did very well. well we've got, um, of course, great ambitions at this club. We want to keep improving all the time, and you know, we've got another tough one against Burnley next week. So uh, we'll take it game by game, but so far so good. What a start for Bournemouth then to the season. What a difference a year makes. Last weekend, a year ago, it was one win from five to start the Premier League campaign. This time around, fifth in the Premier League table, their best start to a top-flight season. And delighted to say Peter Bell of the Cherry Chimes blog joins us now on Talk Sport 2 Live. Peter, you must be pinching yourself with this start. Oh, it's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Um, I know it's early days, but... Um... We're really enjoying looking at the table at the moment. <laughs> and to put four past Leicester at the weekend, that's no mean feat. Yeah, Leicester are a good team. Usually, we've I think out of the six times we've met them in the Premier League, five of them have been draws and we've won the one game. But um, yeah, they're always difficult opposition with um, and Vardy and uh, Madison up front for them are going to score a lot of goals this season. They were very quick uh, and they were unlucky really not to get get some more goals I think early on against us so um, it wasn't wasn't um, as clear cut as it, the scoreline looked on Saturday it was a tough game and um, even even when we were 4-0 up we still managed to lose two goals so we, keeping clean sheets is still a problem for us That is still the slight issue isn't it just one clean sheet so far this season that was on the opening day but I just wonder Peter whether I mean 10 points from 5 games so far this season you've got games against Burnley, Crystal Palace and Watford to come. You can, you'd like to think, Eddie Howe will think you can pick up points there. Have expectations yeah. changed at all, just five games in? Do you think you can do even better than you thought you did in pre-season? Um, no, I, I think in pre-season, I, I thought with this year, looking at what we did last year, new players coming in, um, Spanish speakers, and I'm not, not sure how well they would fit in. I thought probably you know mid-table, maybe just outside the top 10, 14, something like that would be you know, satisfactory, but the way we started, I suppose, you know, there, there's a, a good chance that, you know, I mean, last season we had uh, three points, I think, at the most at this point, when we beat Brighton on the fifth game, but so we are ahead of schedule, 
Um, it's just trying to get the, the 12 wins, I think, as soon as possible. And then from then, I think you reassess your season. Once once you've, you're looking, you know, to get the, those early wins on the board and, you know, towards safety, then, then I think you can be... I think it's too early at the moment because you, you never... The teams we've played, um, a lot of them move mid say I mean, Everton, uh, Leicester, West Ham, good results to get against those two. Maybe we were favourites to beat Cardiff um, and... Chelsea, I suppose we were, we're not expected to win. So, you know, we, we, we're slightly a bit better than average, but, you know, we could lose, you know, the next three games quite easily. Uh, they're good teams, Burnley, Crystal Palace, Watford. I don't, you know, the table's too early to judge at the moment. Um, you know, the luck's been with us a little bit. And, um, you know, we've had we've had some good results, but um, there's no necessarily saying, if you don't, if you just think it's all going to happen, it, it usually uh, bites you in the, in the face to Premier League next game. So, not not getting too high on expectations yet. Hello, Peter. This is Billy from Besotted. Haven't spoken to you for ages, mate. How are you doing? Oh, I'm very good. And you? Yeah, I'm not bad. I feel I feel a bit gutted, mate. You just you would have left us, you know. You just you just flew away and just <laughs> left us, and, and and you didn't come back, you know. Have Have you enjoyed your extended holiday? Um, it's been been very good. I mean, we were we were singing first season. We're only here for one season, and we come from League Two. But um, yeah, we we didn't stay in the Championship that long, did we? Mm. Uh, and, and we enjoyed the games there. To be honest, I think a lot of the fans loved the Championship. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, you were, you were. I mean, that was actually a great season. That's the season that we got to the playoffs, and there was you, and there was Watford, and uh, you played some great football. Even though we did beat you three-one at Griffin Park that time, no, I think no. that was a great game. But that was, I think, that's probably the last game that you that you lost that season. And after that, I think it gave you the impetus to to get promoted as well. But I mean, obviously, right. you're in the Premier League now. You're doing very well. You've had a, a very good start this season. Um, but you seem to be trying to sniffing around one of our defenders, Chris Meppham, who was in our B team only about a year ago, um, mm-hmm. playing against QPR reserves and things like that. And now um, he's in our A team playing alongside Gareth Bale for the Wales team. And you've bid 15 million for him. What's that all about, Pete? <laughs> well, I think um, Eddie does like um, players that are, are quite young and uh, thinks they can step up from the championship. Um, and obviously Chris is, is one that he's had his eye on. Um, I think our... Um, centre backs. Um, we've had had for a little while Steve Cook, um, Nathan Ake. We brought in, um, and he's looking to see whether you know he can get them more out of Ake with with a different player. Maybe um, I think Tyrone Mings has been unlucky with injuries. Um, we, we've as a whole we've been really finding injuries a problem in the Premier League recent seasons, um, and I think he's looking just to have a slightly a bigger squad at some point. Um, but obviously it didn't happen this time. Maybe, maybe he will try again in January. I don't know. Um, Peter, it's Sammy here, and uh, as a Fulham fan, I don't have too many fond memories of that particular season you and Billy were talking about. I remember going down Mr. to uh, yeah. <laughs> remember going down to your grounds uh, on Boxing Day, losing two 0 That always ruins Christmas, and uh, it teamed it down with rain all the way back to the car park. And then you came to Craven Cottage, and it was a close five-one affair. I seem to remember. Um, Interesting to get your thoughts on you know how Bournemouth have managed to stay in the Premier League with with relative ease really, for for three or four seasons now. And we've just come up and we're finding Premier League life not that easy. And you haven't spent huge amounts of money, which is not exactly how Fulham uh, have approached things in the Premier League. So what do you think has been the secret to Bournemouth's staying power in the in the top mm-hmm. flight? Well, I would say the first season was quite quite difficult for us. We did have some big hammerings. Um, Spurs beat us about 5-1 and Man City 5-1. And, you know, the top six are always going to be difficult to play against. Um, I think, uh, I mean, Eddie always speaks about what's done on the training game. It's, it's doing things. We lost a lot of goals in the first season for set pieces. 
free kicks and that. We weren't very good at defending them. And I think you need to be really good in the Premier League at defending against free kicks and corners. Um, the other the other thing is, is um, really play to your own strengths. Um, don't be put off trying to trying to sort of be overly defensive. You do have to go and attack teams. And uh, like you saw with, with Wolves being very brave against Man City and having a go, they, they came out on top. You can Sometimes you can just um, get result, the unexpected result. And um, I think you've got to be true to, to the way you play football and, and not change just because, you know, you may have one bad or two bad defeats. Um, you've, you've just got to let your wounds and, and try again next time and just try to play to your own strengths. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting, um, Pete, when we were in the, the championship together, um, Eddie Howe was well known amongst championship fans and everyone really respected him. They thought he was a very, very good manager. Um, uh, Premier League fans didn't really know him at all. And there's always this thing about Premier League. They think if you're at the top of the pile, you know, you've got to be at the top of the pile to play at the top of the game. Now, interestingly, there was a lot of talk at that time where I think a lot of championship fans or lower league fans were saying Eddie Howe should be England manager. And there's people like, what are you talking about? Absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> now, seeing the fact that Gareth but um, Gareth Southgate has now become England manager and he, he hasn't really sort of managed to any high level and he seems to be doing it all right at the World Cup. How do you think about Eddie Howe in the future as England manager? Um, I think it's the one job in the future that former fans are most fearful of being offered to Eddie Howe um, because I, I think he's a very proud Englishman. I think he would uh, enjoy the opportunity to work with some of the, some of the young players and, and uh, Try and uh, try and do something with England. Um, whether that happens, you know, short term, long term, I, I don't know. Um, you know, who, who knows what's going to happen with England in the future? They did Brittany in the summer, and I hope Gareth is there from a selfish point of view for as long as possible. Um, I think there's there's other things for Eddie that he he also probably wants to do. Um, Bournemouth want to get a new stadium. They they want to. Um, you know, try and see how far they can get up the, in the Premier League. If we can get, you know, they only got European football last season, so Sean Dyke has, Dyche has that bit more experience than him. Um, I think, you know, there's other managers around that do have a little bit more experience, and obviously, you know, you really, I think it, it's handy if you can win something before you become an England manager. It just helps your credibility a little bit. I know Gareth's done brilliantly, um, and I think that's because he's worked with the players through from the under 21 through and bringing those into the main squad I think it was a great fit and um, I think for anybody outside that coming in I think it's quite difficult so um, you know Eddie, Eddie, Eddie may be a good fit in the future but I think at the moment it's a bit early for that It's mad how it's now more of a young man's game the the international management it was always seen as like the last the last job you have before a, a glorious retirement uh, and mm. it seems like Gareth's maybe changed the game with that and I can't imagine a few years ago we'd have been thinking that was a natural next progression for Eddie Howe he would want to get to stuck get stuck into to a bigger club but I could completely see it working and, and I imagine his man management skills would would be really suitable to the job and the thing is also yeah, he, he loves being he loves being on the training field all the time. That's the only thing. I mean, while he would work with the England team and get them to play from the back and, and things like that, Gareth has been doing. The only thing is, I think he would miss the day to day doing it all the time because he loves that part of the game. Peter, let me just ask you about this um, very potent front three that Bournemouth have: Fraser, Wilson, King. Seven mm. goals, five assists between them this season. As Begovic said at the weekend, they're as good as any front three in the Premier League. Uh, he compared yeah. them to uh, Firmino, Mane, and Salah at Liverpool. Just how good are they? Yeah, well, maybe he's trying to get high transfer fees for them. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he's playing the long um, game, isn't he? 
Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, he sees them every day in training. So uh, who am I to argue? I think that uh, I think you know, experience-wise, obviously they they are getting used now. They've had uh, three years in the Premier League. Um, I mean, Fraser actually the first year he was at, at Ipswich when we were in the Premier League. He went out on loan, so he's he's come back, had another year in the Championship, and then came back into the, to the team. And, and he's fought his way into the, the side. And I would say now. Well, last month he was pro of the month for the, the team and he's been one of the best players for the last, I don't know, 12 months, I would say. Um, Fraser's just got electric pace um, and his understanding of uh, on the left wing, um, usually it's been with Charlie Daniels, has been really good. Um, they're very good at overlapping and um, finding space. And, and with Wilson and King, um, I think Eddie's been wanting them to, to play as a, as a front two for a long time and with Wilson getting couple of cruciate ligament injuries it's not been possible you know and even King's had a few hamstring problems um, but this season he's really determined obviously to see them two play together despite interest from other clubs uh, maybe looking at King at points uh, they haven't managed to grab him so um, uh, we're really pleased and and the other thing is I, I still think we have I mean uh, short David Brooks has come in David Brooks has been really good on the on the right wing and um unexpectedly good in that he can get straight into the first team. Um, he's keeping Jordan Ibe out at the moment. That's no mean feat because he, he played well towards the end of last season um, and he scored in the Capital One Cup this uh, this, this year as well uh, against MK Dons. Um, and we still have Junior Stanislas to come back as well, who's another player who I think will probably push his way into the team quite early on as soon as he, he gets the games under his, his belt, um, you know, like in the Capital One Cup. So, so we do have some really good strikers. Jermaine Defoe is not not getting a game at the moment, um, and Lisa is set when he's when he's come on. He's always impressed. Um, so we do have a, a good crop of um, forward players, and yeah. um, long may it continue. Really, yeah, it's very exciting. Peter, thank you for your time. Peter Bell from Bournemouth's Cherry Chimes blog, uh, joining us tonight on Talksport Two Live, the Fans Forum. Coming up next, we'll talk Brentford. Talksport Two Live. Talksport 2 Live, the fans forum. Good evening, I'm Joe Shannon. Billy Grant from Be Sotted and Sammy James from the Fulhamish podcast with me in the studio tonight. Uh, Talksport 2 has live championship commentary on Wednesday evening as Sheffield Wednesday travel to Nottingham Forest. That's a 7.45 kickoff. Our build-up starts at 6. These are your headlines, though, tonight. Tottenham boss Maurizio Pochettino believes Harry Kane has become an easy target for criticism. Six Carabao Cup third-round fixtures are to be officiated with the use of VAR. And Chris Hewton wants Brighton to turn away performances into victories when they take on Southampton tonight. We'll talk Brentford now on TalkSport 2 Live, the Fans Forum. Brentford 2, Wigan nil. the host comfortable throughout and it should have really been more. Both scored by the returning Neil Morpé. The Smith side have made it five wins from five this season at Griffin Park. Promotion contenders, maybe? The Bees are up to second in the championship table. I think we're, we're a tough opposition for anybody at, at Griffin Park at the moment, and um, some of our attacking play at times is very good, but it's also good to keep the clean sheet. Right then, let's get stuck into Brentford. Second in the championship, 
uh, with Sammy James and Billy Grant from Besotted. Billy, um, these are exciting times at Griffin Park, I think, to say the very least. They are exciting times. The only slight problem is that we're no longer under the radar. We like ah. to stay under the radar, you see. But now all of a sudden, <laughs> when you get people are actually sort of saying, <clears throat> no, the bookies... Still no one knows us. who you are, Billy. Ah, no one. <laughs> well, tell you something, we like like that until we come and beat them in their own backyard. <laughs> You've been getting on, haven't you, very quietly, very easily over the last couple of seasons or so. I think it's three consecutive top ten finishes under Dean Smith. But yet, all of a sudden, the focus seems to have changed. And all of a sudden, is, is there an expectation at Brentford now that... Minimum playoffs this season? I think there's a quiet expectation. I think what's happened is that we've had a bit of a learning curve <clears throat> coming into this league. The first season, we had a fantastic season. When we first came into this league, we expected to, um, fingers crossed, if we actually finished 20th, I think all the fans were saying they'd be happy with that. All of a sudden, we got into the playoffs. We had a fantastic um, season. We played some great football. Everything was great, except for we had the, the whole... Warburton scenario which kind of spoiled things a little bit and then we got to the playoffs and then we did and then we didn't go up and then after that there is obviously a higher expectation mm-hmm. the problem is you've got a team who's got a bit of momentum and you've got some good players I mean people have to forget that season that first season when we got to the playoffs we had a pretty thin squad we uh, we found some great players we've got this whole system as you know that we use statistical um, yep. modelling the owner Matthew Benham, he's got this system where he can find players that no one's ever heard of. We buy them in for very cheap, and then all of a sudden, within a year, they're the championship players. So Andre Gray, we bought him for 500 grand. We were laughed out of town. Brentford are going to get relegated. They're playing this guy from Luton as a striker. But, that didn't, you know, that's happened, and we did really well that season. But we didn't go up. What's always going to bound is going to happen, and we found this in the championship. If you've got half-decent players, the big boys are going to come and pluck them off. So... We got plucked off, and all our big players got plucked off that season. And then we were left; we were, we were just stripped off, and uh, and we had to start again. We had to find new players, and we had to find a new manager. And we spent quite a bit of time building, and we putting a little structure into place. And it's taken us probably about three years to have a structure, have a, a way that we're going to play. Dean Smith eventually came in, and he steadied the ship. They brought players in, you know, from you know from the stats side. They brought players in from scouting them, and now. Having a team that's played together over a number of years, you could see it. You could see Brentford are moving, you know, forward. And last season, like I said to you, we played Fulham last season. Put me hand up and say Fulham were one of the best teams that we played last season. And Sammy knows this. I've said that time and time over again. They were, they were the. I mean, okay, we played very well against them, but you know, over forty-six games, Fulham were a very good side. And a lot of people were saying Brentford are quite similar to Fulham without Mitrovic. So yeah. you pass the ball around, you play some great football, but your finishing's a little bit off. And we had more chances than anybody, I think, in the whole of the Football League last season. But we were missing the chances. So, yeah, we missed out on the playoffs. But we knew realistically that if we wanted to get somewhere else, we need to be a couple of notches higher. This season, we've seen that we are better than what we were last season. We've got strength in depth. We've got this system where, as beforehand, if we lost a player, we'd be going, oh, no, we need to buy another striker. Oh, no, we need to buy another defender. Whereas now, and we're buying the defenders before we sold them. Well, where do you find these players from? This is what I really want to try and get to the bottom of. Um, Neil Morpé being a prime example, the championship's top scorer. It's fascinating listening to um, one of the co-directors of football, Anderson, Rasmus Anderson, speaking in January. And he said, if you want to hire a service employee, where would you look? A lot of people would go to the best hotel, but we can't do that. We have to go to a gas station. And if you and if you can offer great service there, 
you can do it here. Uh, is that all about then looking for potential, looking for a player who can grow, looking for a player whose financial value is going to go up and up and up? How do you find these gems at Brentford? So, so what it is, and, 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 and again, if you go to besotted.com, you Google besotted.com and just do scouting on there. There's no, there's an article on there which basically explains the whole system because it's it will take me quite a long time to do it, but trying to sort of put it down a lot shorter. What we've got is. Um, we can't afford at all to, you know, to, to compete against like, you know, we were playing Sheffield Wednesday and they had players on 40 grand a week, and 45 grand a week. Season. You know, Wolves last We could not go in there at all. So what we have is that our owner, Matthew Benham, has got this company called Smart Odds. And they're, uh, and, and, and basically he's a, he's a professional gambler, but he's, he's you know, a statistician. And they've got a load of people that sit in an office and they spend all their times basically analysing sports games all around the world. So they've got all this information. They take this information, they put it into their own computer system, their own algorithm. They don't sell it to anyone. It's their own one. And they use it for business and that is how he's generated the money to to put into Brentford he's a Brentford fan from original old school days he used to bunk off school to go and see them proper hard school Brentford fan he goes I'm going to invest my money into Brentford but he said also what I'm going to do is I, I've got this idea that all this information that I've got where I you know I'll make money for people in this gambling world I'm going to take this information and I'm going to find players that no one's ever heard of players that people think aren't any good but what we do is that we've got certain little ticks that we think these ticks are, are, are the ticks that we look for and this is what we look for because we feel that they're sort of like rough diamonds and we'll be able to develop And it them. didn't work straight away, did it? It took some time after Warburton left the, the, with Dykehausen in charge it didn't it, seem to really work Well this and is the then... thing is it did actually work straight away but a lot of people don't know a lot of the players that we bought in when Warburton was there were actually bought in in this same system you know, Andre Gray he was there with Warburton there, he was bought in that system. Hotter, he was bought in that same system. Um, Odebaju, who was bought in that same system. All these players were there, but there was a different system because people thought, oh, the manager, he scouted them, he found them. But no, you know, we had a system where it's great with the manager. Warburton, if he want to go out and find a couple of players, he would do, bring them into the pot and we'd say, should we sign them? Yes or no? We maybe signed one, we didn't sign another one. The owner would say, we've got three players from our sound system. They'd sit around the table, they'd say, oh, look, these look quite good and they might sign one of them. So it's meant to be a collaborative thing. Yep. So, so it was working. All the, the club time. buys the player rather than just the head coach. Uh, the, there's a collaborative thing. So what happens is that people discover it in different ways. Then they sit around and they say, tell you something, this player fits in with what we're doing. So Dean, Dean Smith will sit there and they'll say, right, we've got a striker. This striker yeah. is fantastic. He's fast. He's hot. Do you want to have a look at him? Then, then then what will happen next is Dean Smith will go out and he might scout him. He might fly to Spain, sit down and watch the game and he say, yeah, this player's fantastic. Will he get the final say? They've all got. He has got a final. If Dean Smith turns around and say, "I really don't think this player will fit," they in, get him. they'll listen to him. You know, but it's collaborative, so everyone's got to be betting on the same side. Unfortunately, we had a scenario where, unfortunately, there were people that weren't necessarily betting on the same side years back. So yes, we were flying high, but certain people were doing their own thing. Other people were doing their own thing, and it's taken us three or four years for Brentford to actually start to come together, where everyone from the analysts. So we got analysts, we got sleep analysts, we got free kick coaches, we got all these people which are helping to add them. So it's not just about the head coach. Coach, it's about a whole team that's put around him and also what's really good about Brentford which I really like is that Dean Smith went through a phase where he started at Brentford and then he went through a run where we played about 20 matches and we kind of won maybe sort of like two of them out of 20 so it's a, a typical run where yeah. if, if he's at Leeds he would have got sacked go. then after that he had a run where we won about 18 out of 20 or something like that so he kept on doing these really strange runs and you know what fans are like when he was on the bad run ah get rid of Dean Smith but the owner was really cool he's like no 
it's, it's cool, everything's right, it's a young team. Which is virtually still unheard of in the game it nowadays. It is, completely, which is really great. So what's happened is that he's, he's helping the manager to develop, or the, or the head coach. Then, then what they do is they say, tell you something, I'm going to put this guy here, I'm going to get him over from Denmark, and I'm going to put him to work in the team with you to help you to become better. So he's going to do this, and all of a sudden, you, what you're doing is almost like a typical management thing like you do in any blue chip company. You think a manager's great, you, you look at all the, 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 the jigsaw puzzles that you need to do to make that manager a better person, and Dean Smith's become better because of it, the, the, the team's become better of it, the, the club's all working together, and that's part of the reason why Brentford where they are. It's not about one person or one player, it's a, a real team effort. This is fascinating Billy we will talk about this more this system in just um, a little bit later on in the program just conscious of time but I yeah. want to mention the new stadium um, that is underway and, and that you hope is the stadium that will take Brentford to the next level I do. I mean, Lionel Road Stadium. We had a, the, the 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 spade in the sand, as they call it, um, a few a, 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 what, about six months ago, and that is basically the building where it's going to start. It's been pro- procrastinated for quite a few years for various different reasons. The stadium was reduced in size for various reasons. It's in a very very tight space, and Brentford made the decision. We thought we can either stay in Brentford, and we can be a small stadium. Or we can go out to somewhere where all these other teams go to, out in the middle of nowhere, and have a bigger stadium. We decided we wanted to keep our stadium in Brentford. So it's going to be 17,250, um, 3,000 away fans, the rest are home fans. And the, the thought is, because you, Brentford had about 4,000 fans about six years ago, we've now moved to about 8,000 or 9,000 fans, and we have to move it to 15,000 fans. Pers- this is me personally. Maybe all the fans may think the same. I would rather have 15,000 Brentford fans buzzing and jumping and jumping around in a really tight stadium yep. with rabbits. Because well, that's what Griffin Park is you like, isn't it? You're nice and close to the pitch. You're right on top of the action. You can get on the backs of some of the opposition players if you need to. That's right. That's why it's one of the best atmospheres in the championship. Billy, exactly. we will talk lots more Brentford in the second hour. Billy Grant from Be Sotted, Sammy James from the Fulhamish podcast with us in the studio as well until 8 o'clock. Uh, we'll look at Tottenham uh, after the next time half an hour or so. Flav Bateman from the Fighting Cock podcast will join us to talk about their difficult start to the Premier League season. We'll talk more about the Premier League and the EFL in general as well. Uh, Ryan Sessegnon from a Fulham perspective. More on this Brentford scouting system as well. And coming up next on TalkSport 2 Live, the Fans Forum, the father and son ground hopping duo who've done the 92. Online and on DAB Digital Radio. TalkSport 2 Live. Welcome to Hour 2 of TalkSport 2 Live, the Fans Forum. I'm Joe Shannon. With me in the studio tonight, Billy Grant from Be Sotted, the Brentford podcast, and Sammy James from the Fulhamish podcast, also with us in the studio this evening. Lots coming up in the second hour of the show. We'll talk Tottenham with Flav Bateman of the Fighting Cock podcast, the rest of the Premier League and the EFL's big issues of the weekend. And coming up next, we'll talk to the father and son ground-hopping duo who've just completed the 92. First, though, your headlines tonight. Deli Ali and Hugo Lloris have been ruled out of Tottenham's Champions League opener tomorrow. Southampton go for just their second Premier League win of the campaign this evening at home to Brighton. And Derby manager Frank Lampard has accepted a charge of improper conduct from the FA. It's TalkSport 2 Live, the fans forum. Tonight, 
on TalkSport 2. Uh, gents, uh, with me in the studio just briefly, Billy and Sammy, uh, just quickly, how many grounds of the current 92 have you managed to get through? I've done about, I should really count up, but I've done about 80. Eight. 88, Billy? Eight, eight, 86, 88. 86. It's the Premier League ones, actually, that I've, uh, I've missed out on. Uh, and, and also, why. Is, it with, is it with Brentford <laughs> or without Brentford? That's the question, because uh, it's different. It's a difficult one, isn't it? Like, overall, overall, just briefly. Yeah, it's about 80. About, about 80. 88. 88, uh, 88, about. 88, Sammy? I'm in my 30s to 40s, I think. Okay. Yeah. You're but, getting there. And, and, and similarly for me, it's mostly the lower league clubs <laughs> that I, I haven't done. That you've missed out on. Yeah. Um, between the two of you, though, pretty close to 92. This father and son ground hopping duo, though, have managed to do it. They're Cambridge United supporters from Habent in Hampshire. Liam Priday, seven years old, the son, of course. Uh, Chris Priday is his dad. They completed the 92 at Macclesfield in the weekend. Delighted to say they can join us now live here on TalkSport 2, the Fans Forum. Uh, Chris, I think, is going to speak to us first. Chris, good evening. Good evening, how are you? Uh, very well, thank you. 92 then, at the weekend. I mean, where do you start with something like that? Why did you decide to do the 92 in the first place? Um, initially, we never set out to do the 92. It, it was um, something that it kind of just escalated into that. We, we'd started um, visiting grounds together, non-league grounds, when he was about two and a half years old. And I think it gradually escalated. We never, um, I never really expected to to do the 92 it's just transpired for a few factors one being that if he traveled with me on a rail card up north cheaper travel so i thought well that's a way in for me to <laughs> take off the grounds i want to do up north uh, how long has it taken you to do this so macclesfield on saturday was the big one um how long has it taken to reach the 92 uh, i think three and a half years or so the first one was southampton uh back in i think january 2015 i think it must have been uh, although we have redone that, so I don't know how that then transpired because <laughs> the next one was Brentford and we've also redone that. Um, but yeah, three and a half years since the first official sort of visit to a football league ground. And I saw um, a tweet from you, Chris, earlier um, about how Macclesfield gave you a really warm welcome. Was there a presentation or something like that, perhaps? Uh, no, not quite like that, but he was, he, was, uh, he walked the players out onto the pitch. He was one of the mascots. Uh, for the day so yeah they were really really friendly club as as you'd expect from sort of a a club that's quite sort of good in the community and things like that they were really good with us Chris I don't know if we can speak to Liam now is he there yeah I can I can get him over let's just hand up Liam who's seven years of age completed the 92 already which is more than most football fans do in their lifetime Liam can you hear us yeah hi Liam how many (laughs) grounds have you visited in your life do you know how many it is? Two hundred and fifty-nine. Two hundred and fifty-nine. That's very impressive. What's your What's your favourite one, Liam, of all time? Of all the grounds you've been to, which has been the best? Manchester United. Manchester United. Why was that? Because I support them. Oh, you're a Manchester United fan. I said you were a Cambridge supporter earlier on, Manchester United supporter. And you went to Macclesfield to finish the 92 at the weekend, yes? Yeah. Was that enjoyable? Did you enjoy it? Yeah. 
Terrific. Let's get Chris back. Can you pass the phone back to your dad? Well that, done, Liam. I've just done us some maths. That means that in his lifetime, he's <laughs> had to go to a ground every one and a half weeks <laughs> for his entire life since he was zero. That's incredible. That's a, It's amazing, Chris. Liam has just told us, um, and Sammy has just confirmed um, with me in the studio, it's about a ground every week and a half for Liam um, since he started doing this. 259 in total. Has he ever complained? Has he ever got sick of it? <laughs> uh once we're, he's, he's only ever really complained when we're on, when we're sort of setting out for the morning. For my parents, maybe he doesn't always want to leave, although he's, he's a bit doesn't do that so much anymore. Um, and maybe he's complained if it's cold or it's raining. But other than that, he's he's taken to it really well. It's just when I took him to his first game, it was kind of like a uh, a litmus test, really, just to see how he how he was with it. And he just took to it so well, and it's kind of escalated to well where we are now. I wonder, one of the things that football fans, and I know that Sammy and Billy will sympathise with this as well, is some of the epic journeys that you have to do following your club around the country to all sorts of various outposts. When you've been doing the 92, Chris, have you had any epic stories to tell, any long journeys that never seem to end? Have you been stuck in a car park for hours on end? Um, We've had a few um, dodgy ones, um, but I I think we've we've been quite fortunate. We had a couple of um, aborted trips. Luckily, we didn't actually get on the train, but to Chesterfield last season, we were going to finish the 92 at Swansea in April. Um, But, yeah, uh, there was a game that was uh, moved for TV, and then there was a a game that was rained off in April uh, of all times of year. Uh, So we didn't didn't quite do it there. Um, But, yeah, I mean... Even places like Morecambe, I've always been a bit worried about, you know, a train connection not going right because you've got quite a lot involved. But, yeah, we've been, we've been very lucky. And just finally, Chris, how has this, I wonder, affected your love for Cambridge United? Because Liam has just told me he's a Man United fan all <laughs> of a sudden. But Cambridge United, I mean, I guess you must just have had to miss a few games along the way. Well, yes, yeah. I mean, uh, that's how it all started before um, we moved down to Haven. We were living in Sussex um, sort of before he came along. I was a season ticket holder at Cambridge for a good seven, eight years. Um, and it was really when we moved down here, it was kind of to get a... We started uh, ground hopping locally just so I could get that football fix on a Saturday, really. Um, we did get, try and see them as much as we can. And, and a lot of the grounds in, in League Two have been visited watching Cambridge. But um, we're kind of stagnating in that division at the moment. So there's not been too many opportunities to visit any others with them outside of sort of the 24 or, or the ones that come up and down each time. Well, Chris, great stuff. Very well done. Thank you for joining us tonight on TalkSport 2 Live, the Fans Forum. That's Chris Priday and his seven-year-old son, Liam, a Cambridge United fan converted to a Manchester United <laughs> supporter, courtesy of, of doing the 92. Billy, Sammy, I just wonder, um, you know, we heard there, a, a, amazing effort. Uh, Billy, two, Liam, 259 grounds in total. That is something. But, gents, in terms of grounds you visited... Um, what are your favourite away trips, the ones that come up on the fixture list that you always look forward to? I mean, in the Championship, the first ones that we actually put down, and we, we go left field, so we don't, we're not like Leeds United or Aston Villa. Um, Middlesbrough, absolutely tremendous away day. They've got these couple of little streets, uh, Baker Street uh, and that, which are, they've got these houses that are turned into microbreweries. It's fantastic, fantastic away day, and the Borough fans are really, really great. And also Preston as well, P&E. Um, really good fans, really friendly as well. They meet us off the train, they take us around. Really great, great away day. So those are two um, away days that I personally love. 
Yeah, I think now when I look at the fixture list, it used to be back in the day I was looking for, when we were in the Premier League, Old Trafford, Stamford Bridge. But nowadays I'm looking for the best trips. So when I looked at the fixture list this season, uh, Huddersfield was a ground I haven't done and a, and a place I really wanted to go. And I saw that that was on a Saturday in November and I, I was really excited until they moved it to a Monday evening. Um, and Sammy, I have to say, I think producer Jason's a little sceptical about your choice of Huddersfield. Really? Yeah, well, I think it's one of those. It's one of those funny old grounds, isn't it? Where it's it's, it's slightly different looking because you've got the the semicircular roofs, but it I, it doesn't strike me as one that would massively stand out. I, have no, to I was say. looking more for I meant more meant as an away. I more meant as an away got day you. rather you. than like I'm desperate to go to the John <laughs> Smith Stadium. We've <laughs> had great away days at Huddersfield. Really yeah, good away so days. So I've at heard of good things about the away day rather than oh yeah, that's a that's a stadium that I have to visit in my lifetime. <laughs> and their um, fans are barking as well. They're bonkers, aren't they? Yeah, I know that there was great times when Fulham uh, won up there when they got the promotion that season. And we've got Bournemouth in in April. Hopefully a sunny Saturday in April. So they're the trips I look at more for now. The good away days, the good trips. Uh, I'm going up to Goodison Park uh, in a few weeks' time, and that's a new ground for me, a grand old stadium, and and I'm, I'm, I'm buzzing for that so yeah it's it's not the biggest grounds it's not the most glamorous clubs for me it's just the great away days the great cities the, and and in the championship it's it's the brilliant towns that you can visit i would never have gone to barnsley otherwise and uh, yeah. and i had a great time <laughs> i've always thought actually gents as well um away days when i was a season ticket holder at my local club um, always used to appeal to me more than home games. As, as, good, as good and as fun as home games would be, there's nothing quite like the feeling of, of travelling to an away game. Um, that feeling of kind of anticipation, that feeling of it's us against the world, especially if there's a big crowd in the home sections and you're one of about 350 fans in the away stand and you look around you and so many times I've seen people where you know their faces but you don't know their names and they they think exactly the same about you and it's just one of those magical things about being a football fan. I mean, you're right. I mean, when I first started going to footy at Brentford there was uh, this crew that I used to go around with and some of them actually never used to go away games home games they only used to go to away games they just sort of and it wasn't sort of an loyalty thing because we weren't particularly great at that time but it was all about the laughs so they would literally only go to away games and the reason why again it was that whole kick football out of football thing that I talk about and it's the um, as Sammy was saying the atmosphere when you go to these different towns um, you know Preston's you know, all these other places your Huddersfield's um, absolutely fantastic and that's one of the things that you come back to your point about the Premier League mm-hmm. which I'll get a little bit worried about because it's interesting we, pl- we went to Stoke the other day and we always get this when the teams come down of the division, like when Southampton come down, you go down there and you do the old Brentford. We're a little old Brentford thing. You go into their town, you walk to the first pub. Sorry, mate, can't come in here. Bounces all <laughs> over the place. Like, you know, you've got your designated pub, which is there, which is some sort of kind of, hor- you know, horrible, you know, sure. joint. You know, somewhere. The less impressive yeah, pub in the town. That's right. And only one. And you sort of think, and you think, you need to take a few lessons because it's not like this in the championship. The championship in general, you can go anywhere, you know, it's fine. There's no bounces on the door because everyone kind of mingles and has a bit of a laugh. But there's this Premier League mentality that goes with things now with the football, which which we've seen that. And teams like Stoke need to sort of kind of take a few lessons. It'll probably take them six months to realise, actually, you need to calm yourself down with your bounces on the door and you're not allowed to drink in here. Well, there's games where they'd have to do it, you know, if they're if it's a local derby or, or whatnot. But if, Brentford are come, but if Brentford are coming to Stoke, I mean, you guys have a cheese board generally on your on your trains. <laughs> I mean, you're not, you're not there to cause a tear-up, are you? 
Certainly not. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, what is on the cheese board, by the way? Uh, interest. Plenty of brie. Uh, stinking Bishop. Stilton. Uh, Stilton. Of course, it's Stilton as well. You know, a few grapes. Plenty of wine. Biscuits or crackers? I, I, I never quite Lots understand. Lots of sour the grapes. Biscuits in your, thing. In your, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, crackers and all sorts of stuff. You know, you could, yeah, yeah. It's actually started about. In fact, we had Peter on. Cheese actually started about 20, 25 years ago at Brentford at an away game at Bournemouth in the FA Cup as well. And uh, it went on from there where people ended up wearing cheese hats and all sorts of stuff. It's very, very bizarre. On this, just very briefly, I've got to ask you both very quickly. Um, best football ground food that you've had and worst football ground food. Which two clubs win those awards? Best Sammy? Wigan Athletic. Yep. Every time. The pies they serve, they're under the concourse. And worst? Exceptional. Oh, worst. I don't know. Uh, the cottage isn't great, to be perfectly honest. Really? Yeah. I love be, it. You'd be amazed, but no, I don't really enjoy the food at the cottage that much. Normally, uh, normally try and get something outside the ground. Yeah, Billy? I mean, I don't normally eat inside the ground. We normally no. eat before we go there. But if I remember rightly, I think I went to Bury one time and the pies there were actually particularly particularly good. And, and also Brighton just tried to give itself a little bit of a more of an upmarket feel with the stuff that it's got. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, I, think yeah. it's, I think it's pies have got certain brand names on them and stuff like that as well. And uh, and they sort of sell real ale Sliders in and... the ground as well. The worst food, oh, oh Jesus, I can't even, I can't really think of where the worst food is. Um, you know, Probably somewhere like... It's all just the awful. same, isn't it? Is yeah. You go to these grounds and they just serve the generic rollover hot dogs and, and that's where you get the the terrible food and that's that's what annoys me i like even though brighton yeah it's a little bit posh and waitrose isn't it but <laughs> i i like that they're making an effort well what i do like actually is i say the best food two in a mitchum i went to two in a mitchum i went to dulwich hamlet i went to the final dulwich hamlet versus hendon um at the end of last season and they served rice and peas and ackee and saltfish and, oh, and, and all that in the ground Lovely, delicious. Billy, Sammy, good stuff. Uh, both with me till 8 o'clock tonight. We'll talk Tottenham shortly. Uh, and the rest of the issues in the Premier League and EFL. Coming up next on TalkSport 2 Live. Online and on DAB Digital Radio. TalkSport 2 Live. Good evening, this is TalkSport 2 Live, the fans' forum. On Thursday night, we've got full commentary here on TalkSport 2 of the Europa League game between Pauk and Chelsea. That kicks off at 5.55. Uh, these are your headlines, though, tonight on the fans' forum. Southampton unchanged to face Brighton tonight in the Premier League. Meanwhile, Yves Bissouma comes in for Pascal Gross for the Seagulls. Tottenham boss Maurizio Pochettino believes Harry Kane has become an easy target for criticism. West Ham forward Lucas Perez has denied reports he refused to go on as a sub during his side's victory over Everton. You're listening to Talk Sport 2. This is my uh, favourite bed I've heard tonight, I think, on Talk Sport 2. Uh, Billy Grant from Besotted with me, Sammy James from the Fulhamish podcast as well. Um, let's just quickly, actually, gents, go back over a couple of things that we we wanted to touch on earlier. Um, and Billy, first of all, as far as Brentford are concerned, you tell me you've got a big stat ahead of the game at Ipswich tomorrow night in the Championship. And that's right. We play Ipswich Town tomorrow, who are doing particularly well. And we go into this game. Ipswich have played seven games and they've scored five goals. Yep. We've got Neil Malpay, who's played five games and scored seven goals. He scored more goals on his own. <laughs> Than the whole of the Ipswich team, and he's played uh, is it two or three games less than them. 
I'll tell you what, they've had a ropey start, haven't they, Ipswich, so far this season as well. Paul Hurston is in charge. I I'm saw them surprised. earlier in the season. Are you surprised? I saw them Just, earlier in the they season. Were so good. He was so good with Shrewsbury, and, and, he, and, he, and he transforms them, and they were so unfortunate not to get promoted from, from League One last season. I kind of thought he was going to go in there um, and rejuvenate the club, but it seems to be a bit of a case of careful what you wish for for Ipswich fans. They were so desperate to get rid of Mick McCarthy, so much so that he left two or three games before the end. He just yeah. packed in instead of had enough. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's been a terrible start for them. I really, I didn't expect them to be pulling up trees and getting the playoffs or getting into the top two, but I just thought they'd be quite comfortable and I thought this would be a, a positive new dawn, but it, it's gone terribly for them. Gents, just briefly, let's get more on the team news now from St Mary's in the Premier League. Southampton against Brighton. Here's Talk Sports' Alex Crook. Saints named the same side for the third league game in a row. That's after Shane Long passed the late fitness test. McCarthy is the goalkeeper. Cedric, Vestergaard, Hoot and Bertrand in defence. El Yanuzi, Lamina, Huybier and Redmond make up the midfield with Ings and Long up front. One in force change for Brighton. It sees Eve Basuma come in for the injured Pascal Gross. That will be a blow for the Seagulls. Ryan is the goalkeeper. Montoya, Duffy, Dunk and Bong in defence. Knockout, Stevens, Perper and March make up the midfield with Basuma behind Murray up front. It's Southampton against Brighton on a glorious night on the south coast. Alex Crook watching for Talk Sport. We'll keep you up to date here on Talk Sport 2 with the latest. Um, Billy, sorry, you were going to say something about Ipswich Town and Paul Hurst, I think. Well, I think Paul Hurst, um, I, I, I spent a lot of time in, in, in um, Shrewsbury, believe it or not. Like, no, I know, I'm going all left field on you again here. But every couple of weeks, I know like that. what I expected yeah. to hear. They are, hopefully they're listening out on my Shrewsbury Massive, actually, yeah, Sammy and James and, and Ryan. And, and they said they're going to be listening today, but they've given me a lot of knowledge about Shrewsbury. And uh, I do really like them. And I was gutted they didn't come up last season because it would have been one of our biggest away days because I know practically everyone in Shrewsbury now. Now I know about Paul Hurst, and apparently he did a really good job for them with uh, on a shoestring. Uh, they're playing a particular type of football, but they ran out of steam towards the back end. And I think, for, if I remember rightly, it's almost like they didn't have a little plan B. They didn't know how he's going to change the way that he had done things beforehand. And they, they just they completely and utterly ran out of steam. Now, what I think with Ipswich, they're desperate to get rid of, um, of, of Mick McCarthy. But the danger is, and we did this, and we, we put our hands up and say, you make a mistake. You, you're so desperate to change what you've done already. You think, oh, who's gone out there and, and, and done really well with not very much money? Oh, he'll do. And they come in, but it's not necessarily what you need because what he may have done at Shrewsbury doesn't necessarily mean might be the same at Ipswich. Yeah. You're going up a gear, you're playing with different players. Different you're doing, clubs You know, it's just the whole thing. And I think that, you know, um, I'm sure that he's a great guy and a great manager, but I think that it kind of, I think that they might have, um, talking to the Ipswich fans, I'm going to be talking to one tonight, I've got, um, a bit later on, the view is at the moment now, they're not quite, they think he might be a little bit out of his depth. Um, can I ask you about Mope as well? We were talking about him earlier on. Um, I guess the question with him is, how long is he going to stay at Brentford? Do you think you can keep him past January if he keeps up this kind of goal-scoring form? Well, you, I mean, you never, you never know. If somebody comes in for £75 million for him, then he's going to go. Dream on, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> you never know with the way Fulham have been spending. <laughs> That's right. You know, so, uh, but, but, you know, all we can do is that we can... Um, we could do what we're going to do. The thing, I think the difference with us this season is that at the beginning of last season where we didn't win a game for eight, eight matches and we, at the last, the last day of the season, we lost three players to Birmingham City, which really riled the Brentford fans. Hotter, who, like I said, is fans' favourite, um, Harley Dean and Maxim Collin. We lost them the last day of the season. We thought, oh no, our plans have gone to pot. 
Um, so, and all, but part of the problem was we were playing the first four games, four or five games with players who had their eyes on money elsewhere. So they weren't given 100%. What was really great this season is they were just like, uh, we had only one player, Ryan Woods, who was looking elsewhere. We didn't put him in the side. And we were like, sometimes we go, we should play, we should play. And they're like, nah, we learnt from that lesson. We ain't going to put him in the side. So the question is that we've built out of that and we've done really, really well. Will Malpay go? And what's done is build us to a good position. If we are in the top six in December, Malpay might go, I could go to the Premier League and maybe sit on the bench or go somewhere as well. Or I could stick with Brentford and go up with them because I'm going to be a key player. And I think the difference is there. If you're in the ball game, it, it, it makes it easier for keep, to keep the players. Sammy, what about your young starless at Fulham, Ryan Sessegnon? I just mm. wonder, in and out the side so far this season, obviously, and, and so much talk about just how good he will be, you know, and inevitably when he ends up playing for England on a regular basis. But where does he fit into the Fulham team this season? Difficult for him, but he is the second youngest player to play in the Premier League this season. And the only player younger than him is Phil Foden, who has played, I think, maybe... Uh, just under half an hour of minutes for, for Manchester City. There's a lot of pressure on very, very young shoulders. And I think everyone was expecting Sessegnon to to tear up the Premier League in his first few games. And I think quite a few of us that watched him regularly just knew that Sessegnon wasn't going to do that. He was going to be quite comfortable and uh, adept at this level and not look massively out of his depth. But he isn't an explosive left winger like everyone thought he was. Yeah. And there, there was a good article, I think... Um, on the BBC yesterday, which which corrected a few wrongs and a few myths about Sessegnon, and and the the biggest one was everyone thought he was the next Gareth Bale because he Different was player. a because he graduated from left back and became a left winger and scored <laughs> lots of goals, and therefore people just put two and two together uh, and made sixty four. So it's going to take him a bit of time. He's he's got a very good competition now. So if he doesn't perform in the Premier League like he didn't really in his first couple of games. We've we've got Luciano Vieto who's come on loan from Atletico Madrid who has had scored twenty goals in a La Liga season in in his career. So Sessegnon's just got a lot of competition. I'm confident he will grow into this league, get a few goals this season, and become a very important player for us in the future. But it was always going to take him time, and, and I think people have just forgotten his age. He's eighteen, and. and Barring Wayne Rooney and Michael Owen, who have really, and maybe Marcus Rashford at the moment, who has really cut it in the Premier League before they're 19 or 20? Very, very few players. And I think Sessegnon will cut it in the Premier League before he's 20, but it's just going to take a little bit of time. And I'm glad that it might just have cooled some of the pressure on Sessegnon now. And hopefully, whilst no one's looking at him anymore and people have taken him out for their fantasy sides, it might just give Sessegnon a little less pressure and he might be able to perform without without the weight of the world on his shoulders thinking, you've got to perform now, Ryan. Um, I have to admit last season, I mean, Sessegnon, and this is not a disrespect to him, I thought, you know, he's a good player, but also what I thought is that he suffered from massive, massive hype. Um, when we saw him and he played against us, pretty much our defenders had him in the, in, in the pocket the whole time and he, and he didn't have much of a play on the game but that doesn't mean he's a bad player but w- any time he used to listen to the shows on 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 the on, the, on the, the football shows on TV and people talking about him on the podcast and stuff like that they'll go oh Ryan Sessegnon oh my god purring and he's absolutely fantastic and I was sort of thinking well you know I've seen some of our players play week in and week out and they're also very good but you're not purring about them the same way which is cool <laughs> then they started talking about him being picked for the England squad to go ridiculous. to, to you know, and I just thought I'm I'm missing something here, like you know what I'm saying. Why is it ridiculous though? Because Jukanovic did he not say at the weekend that Sessegnon should have been involved at Russia 2018? I, Why is it ridiculous? I think that Jukanovic is trying to give 
Sessignon a confidence booster. I cannot realistically think that Slavisa thought that a player with only championship experience should have been going to the World Cup. He he was doing well for Fulham last season. He's a space hunter. And that's the and he's amazing at finding pockets of space in the box and he's ruthless as well. He's got he's cool compa- uh, composed. If he gets a chance, he doesn't lose his head. He'll find the bottom corner. And that's that's his skill and and he changes games for us. And and I think that the, the playoff final at Wembley was the moment where Sessegnon really came alive. He got one little moment. He got space in the centre of the park and he played a beautiful ball for Tom Kearney and we won the playoff final. That's what Sessignon can do. But yeah, he hasn't learnt how to be how to cope when you're marked out of a game. That's what the top players do eventually learn how to cope with. It's a new pressure for him when you know that the right back is going to be stuck on you for the entire game. Wan Pasaka of Crystal Palace just had him in his pocket for the entire game. Sessignon's just got to learn how to cope with that. I'm sure he will. Just finally on Sessignon, Sammy, um, is he going to be a regular in the team this season then? Yes I think no? he's going to be in and out. I think Slav will rotate him as and when necessary, depending on the opposition. I think he might fill in at left back a couple of times like he did on Saturday. I think that him and Luciano Vieto will, will swap. Lucio Vieto's got more of the raw pace. So I think depending on the opposition, depending on what we need, Slav will utilise him as a squad player. I expect him to play 20 to 25 games, which is great for an 18-year-old on his first season in the Premier League. You're with Talk Sport 2. Coming up next here, we'll talk Tottenham on the Fans Forum. Online and on DAB Digital Radio. Talk Sport 2 Live. So much live football coming up on TalkSport 2 throughout the week. Friday night, Championship Live, Wigan against Bristol City. Then on Saturday, Matchday Live 2 has full commentary of Liverpool against Southampton in the Premier League. That's our three o'clock commentary. And then on Sunday, we've got more for you. Live Rugby Union, Saracens against Gloucester. And then it's NFL Matchday Live for you on Sunday night, including Tennessee Titans at Jacksonville Jaguars. This is the Fans Forum with me, Joe Shannon. Your headlines tonight, Southampton unchanged to face Brighton this evening in the Premier League. Yves Bissouma comes in for Pascal Gross for the Seagulls. Maurizio Pochettino insists Harry Kane deserves deserves thanks rather than negativity. We'll talk about Spurs more in a second. And Roberto Firmino missed Liverpool training today ahead of tomorrow's Champions League clash with PSG. It's the TalkSport 2 Live Fans Forum. One either side of half-time, enough to just about seal a victory on the road at Wembley. And they will at least be level on top of the Premier League at the end of today. The final score, Tottenham 1, Liverpool 2. The most important is trust in, in our squad. I trust 200%, no 100 And of course we are going to win a lot of games. It's only the beginning of the season. We knew that the circumstances are completely different. And when we started the season, it was a massive challenge to try to compete and in the same way. Spurs boss Maurizio Pochettino, of course. We'll hear more from Poch uh, in just a moment on TalkSport 2. Uh, but first, let's get the very lowdown on the start of the season that's been made at Tottenham with Gary Flavel from the Fighting Cock podcast. Gary, good evening. Hello, mate. How you doing? Uh, very well, thank you. Back-to-back defeats in the Premier League then after three wins to start the season. Um, what's going wrong? <laughs> uh, 
I'll try. Where'd you begin? <laughs> yeah, where's you? I think um, I, I don't think a huge amount's going wrong. I think there's uh, there's time for for things to change on Pochettino. He's um, he's he's trying a new system at the moment, where a kind of very narrow four two two two, which you've seen work at other clubs, especially RB Leipzig. I think he's he's taking a a new squad. Uh, sorry, an, an old squad and trying to uh, implement new ideas. And while it hasn't worked in the, the first four games, the first five games, really, even though we got three victories out of that, um, there's, there's, you've got to have a little bit of patience with it all, really. And I think what, what's happened at Spurs and the pundits alike, that they're then perhaps not giving Pochettino uh, room to breathe when he's he's implementing these new ideas. It's interesting, some criticism from the manager, um, for the manager, Gary, from Danny Murphy, a former Tottenham player on Talk Sport earlier, saying that the, the poor display against Liverpool was all down to Poch's tactics. Is that fair? Did they show Liverpool too much respect? I don't, I'm not sure we showed them respect. I just think that he, yeah, I think his tactics were the reason why we, we lost the game. I think, you know, we lost 2-1. We could have had that penalty in the last... Uh, kick it a game, but we didn't deserve anything from it, and uh, the the right team won. And I thought Klopp, his tactics were were perfect, but they weren't any 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 different from what he's been doing. You know, he utilised the the players in his in his squad in order to to get the right result. It's a case of um, them being in the upper trajectory. Really, they've signed the right players at the right time. Uh, they've filled holes in their squad. Whereas Spurs have kind of stagnated somewhat by not signing anyone, so um, I think Pochettino's uh, tactics were incorrect. I think uh, that diamond midfield hasn't worked all season, but we got a great result against uh, Manchester United, and I think maybe that papered over some cracks there. But you, you have to trust Pochettino. Look what he's done since coming to Tottenham. He's he's transferred, trans- transformed the way way we play football. We were a club in massive transition when he took over. He's done incredible things in, in, in the three years, although we haven't got any trophies to show for it. And if he thinks that a new system is what we need in order to progress, then you've got to give him time and patience, surely. How frustrating is it, though, Gary, the lack of trophies and the lack of silverware so far under Pochettino? It's not, I mean, from, from my perspective, it's not frustrating at all. It's, it's, a, it's a part and parcel of, of, of football. You know, there's only so many trophies to go around. And, you know, realistically, we're not interested in the Carabao Cup. We are interested in in in, in the Premier League and 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 the uh, and the Champions League, and I think our performances in both of those competitions over the last two, well, certainly the last year, but the, in the Premier League the last three years, is saying that we're, we're actually a, a legitimate football club and we need to be taken seriously when challenging for the league. Um, you can't challenge for the league and the Champions League and take the domestic cup seriously. It's just it's impossible. Certainly with mm-hmm. the squad we have and the investment we have in our squad you, you have to prioritise those two major competitions even if the realistic chance of us winning them is quite slim you have to have goals in that direction I think Well talking of the Champions League Gary let's just hear from Pochettino now he's been speaking ahead of the game against Inter Milan tomorrow night which is live on Talk Sport. Uh, talking about Harry Kane and he says it's not just Kane struggling he's an easy target The reason is not tire no tire can run can no run uh Rest, no rest. Holidays, World Cup. The moment of the of the team, uh, I think, is is not the the best, and it's a collective problem. It's not only one 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 player. 
And I think it's uh, different reason that happened. Why we are not uh, winning the last few games? I don't remember too that one teammate said to me, uh, "I am tired. I am going to tell the the gaffer that I am not ready to play tomorrow." No one, no one. I think Harry is a target because it's easy when no score to start to talk about him. But Harry, after four years on the club, it's a lot of thing to say thank you to him. And of course, uh, he needs improve, but the team needs improve. But it's easy to blame Harry because he's on the front. If we the team lose and no score goals, it's easy. But the same is the easy judgment, the easy to analyze, uh, to talk, and always it's about the. Maybe I am so repetitive and boring. The perception, and perception and reality are on the opposite. I've seen every single fans in the last four years, every single people, every single teammate of Harry need to say thank you because when you see the last four years that he provided the team, I think it's so difficult to complain today because he is not scoring goals and because the team lose uh, the last game or the, the game before. That's Maurizio Pochettino, Gary Flavel from the Fighting Cop podcast still with us. Um, Gary, it does feel like Harry Kane is an easy target, doesn't it? I mean, people have built up this narrative about, you know, pre- in previous seasons about his lack of goals in August. He's proved that wrong now. It, it does feel like he's an easy target at the moment. Yeah, if you look at the um, the, the kind of barometer that he set for himself is that, you know, he scored 30 goals three seasons on the bounce. We haven't had a striker do that in living memory at Tottenham yeah. uh, if ever at all maybe, maybe you're going back to as far as Jimmy Greaves and even Gary Lineker's looked at as an absolute club legend for Tottenham and he hasn't done he didn't do what, what um, Harry Kane has done and when you when you put yourself up at, the, at that level by your performances and the hard work and graft and hours and hours of training that you put in to get to that level to then receive criticism because you can't maintain it for the first four weeks of the, uh, of the season is ridiculous and I think the reason why Pochettino is saying that we should give thanks to him is because of that criticism. There, should, there shouldn't be any, you know, England fans uh, and, and the press alike should be doing backflips over the fact that we've got a striker as good as him. You know, he, he came away for the first time since Lineker in an international tournament with the golden boot. But people look at it and, and criticise him because it wasn't an incredible World Cup from his from his perspective, that he, he scored penalties or he's, he had this fluky back heel off a speculative lost-us-cheek shot. You know, it's part, of, part, part and parcel of the game. But I think from Pochettino's perspective, when he wants to be concentrating on, on, on the tactics of the team and talking about genuine football discussion, he's having to fill questions about Harry Kane not being everything that he's built himself up to be. It must be frustrating for him. I, I understand it, I think. Hello, Flav. This is Billy from Besotted, mate. How are you doing? Hello, Billy. How are you doing, mate? I'm not too bad, mate. I haven't seen you for a couple of months, like, you know, which I know, is good. <laughs> you know, but, but listen, but um, I've got a question. I mean, yeah. as you know, uh, Griffin Park, wonderful stadium, but we're building mate. a new stadium at Lionel Road and it's flying up at the moment now. Do you actually think we're going to be in our new home before Tottenham? One hundred percent. I think we're the, we're the first team that's going to have a, 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 their uh, opening game on the FIFA game than we are in real life. I, I, I mean, I, I love what's happening at Brentford. I love the, the way you guys are playing football, and um, 
doing things in a way that isn't normal in the modern game. You know, you're buying players that have been perhaps forgotten by other sides, looking at the qualities of those those players and, and really making them work. And it's amazing that Brentford are now second in the league, playing football the right way, pushing Bielsa's leads for, for automatic, automatic promotion. It's... Um, it's incredible to see, given the size of your club, with, with all due respect, to, to, to see you turning it on the way you are. I really, really hope Brentford come up this season. Yeah, it's a bit of a, yeah, it's a bit of a season. I think Sammy's got a word as well. Well, I was just going to say that as a Fulham fan, I thought I felt really disappointed when our game was moved to Wembley, and I remember thinking, "Oh, this is a real disappointment. We're going to be the only team that doesn't get to go to the new Spurs <laughs> Stadium this season. In fact, we're one of many. We're in the majority now. I mean, it seems a little bit of a farce what's going down there." Do you think that that is having an effect on the club at the moment and that was maybe why you didn't make so many signings? It all seems to be hanging over the club. I know you mentioned that everyone's focusing on Harry Kane, but surely it must be frustrating that everyone's focusing on a building project as well rather than the team on the pitch. No, I can understand it. I can understand why uh, why, why people are focusing on that because Spurs fans all att- you know, our, our attention's on the, on the stadium as well because... Before, first and foremost, before what happens on the pitch, before the players that fill the shirt that you love, you play out of your ground, the play out of your home, and that's what's so beautiful about English football, and that's how, how we differ from perhaps sports around the world. And you look at America, and that there's no real foundation from where your your team plays from. In England, the way we've always gone about things is that you play out of your your home your, your home side, unless you're a club like Arsenal, who, who obviously without going into the rivalry between Tottenham and Arsenal, we've always sort of done things differently. Spurs and other clubs, are, 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 it's important to them that you play out of your, your hometown. And and playing playing at Wembley has been a massive, massive drain on, on all Spurs fans. And I think part of the reason why there is, is such frustration around Spurs fans at the moment, less the, the, the fact that we haven't signed that many players, but there's also this kind of massive shroud of uncertainty around whether or not we're going to actually get back to our home where we all want to be. And that's that's obviously why Art Lane. Flair, I've just got a question as well. It's interesting because obviously you've got Deli Alley. He started off in the third tier of football and he jumped yeah. straight to the Premier League. And um, I'm just wondering how he fitted in. Did he fit in immediately? And the reason why I'm saying that is that a lot of people are sort of saying that Ollie Watkins is very similar to, to Deli Alley in what they feel that he's going to do. Whether or not that's hype or not, I don't know. And I'm just wondering... That, that that jump from the third tier to the to, to, to the premier tier, um, did it work well? It worked well for Deli Ali because he's a very special player. Ollie Watkins, perhaps I don't know if he has the same level of uh, ceiling as as Deli Ali has had previously, and, and what hopefully he goes on to achieve. It's a rare thing for a player to come up through the divisions and, and be able to compete in the Premier League because it is so difficult. You've seen teams like Liverpool and Spurs who, who've struggled against so-called lesser Premier League sides in the past previous seasons because it is such a difficult league and difficult thing for, 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 for players to walk into. Deli Ali's transition from a League One footballer to a Premier League footballer was seamless because he was that good. And he played, and you, you, know, you can't forget that he played a hundred and well, over 100 games, league, competitive games, before he joined Tottenham. And the learnings he'd had from that experience uh, lent him well to, to getting involved in a Premier League setup. I remember when he played against Man United and MK Dons beat them, I think, 5-3, if I remember rightly. And he was incredible. And he's probably, you know, back then, half the player than, that he is now. So while the transition from lower leagues into the Premier League is uh, much more difficult than it is for a player who's come through an academy and who has all the talent and all the surroundings and the right coaching set up to, to achieve, 
um, it's it's always always a difficult challenge. But you know, you see, you see it, you do see it. Gary, just very briefly, um, just for time reasons, um, Carabao Cup game, third round against Watford at Milton Keynes. It's fifteen quid to get in. Will you be going? Nah. No, not interested. Not, not in the slightest. I'd, I've got uh, uh, political ideals that, are, that don't lend myself to, to setting a foot inside that stadium. Interesting. For, um, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's not the club for me, yeah. and I don't want to see my team playing there. Fair enough, Gary Flavel. Thanks for joining us, uh, Gary from the Fighting Cock Podcast. Uh, coming up next on the Fans Forum, and uh, we'll wrap things up with any other business. Online and on DAB Digital Radio, Talksport Two Live. Final parts of TalkSport 2 Live, the fans forum this evening. Tomorrow, a live championship commentary leads against Preston. Our build-up starts at 6 here on TalkSport 2. It's a 7.45 kickoff. Lots of live action throughout the week. These are your headlines, though, this evening. Southampton unchanged to face, to face Brighton tonight in the Premier League. Ibisuma comes in for Pascal Gross for the Seagulls. Maurizio Pochettino insists Harry Kane deserves thanks rather than negativity. And Roberto Firmino missed Liverpool training today ahead of tomorrow's Champions League clash with PSG. You're listening to the Fans Forum. And final part of it, it's absolutely flown by, I have to say. Billy Grant from Besotted, Sammy James from Fulhamish. We've reached the any other business section, guys. Hmm. Last few minutes of the show. Can, um, can you just get the barrier from between us now? Is that all right? <laughs> yeah. It's been a right West London ding dong at times, um, but all all in the best in all in the best sense. Um, and Billy, why don't you kick us off with your your any other business tonight? Well, I don't know. There's just the first thing. Obviously, Frank Lampard. Um, he got sent to. He got the red card. He you did. They got these new rules now <laughs> where. Um, seemed a bit harsh to me, I thought, the, the dismissal. I didn't think he looked like he was really getting that irate on the touchline. I thought it was a little bit soft. Yeah, I mean... But I guess you don't know exactly know what he said. Cause... It was way out of his technical area, wasn't it? I think that was the problem. I think it was the fact that he'd, you know, he'd gone so far away from where he, he just, should have been. It's like old school you know, parents on the touchline, isn't it? Running with the kids alongside, I think... <laughs> you want to kick every ball and maybe Lampard hasn't quite got that out of his system yet. He wants to get on the pitch and probably do a job when he sees his team losing 1-0 to Rotherham. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, we think there's a bit of, <clears throat> there's a bit of confusion here anyway with, 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 with well, Derby County or, or, or formerly known as Derby County. I mean, I know Flav talked about the fact that he's not going to go to the, the Spurs game next week at um, MK, <laughs> Franchise FC, a.k.a. MK Dons, for political reasons, as he called it. But we're also thinking in the Championship, hold on a second, should this team really be in the championship because they've been renamed? They're not Derby County anymore. They're Frank Lampard's Derby <laughs> County. So surely they'll be starting at the, at the ninth <laughs> tier and then working their way up. Let's hear from Lampard now just briefly because he's, he's, he's accepted an FA improper conduct charge uh, for what happened at Rotherham at the weekend. This is what he said about it. Consistency is a problem, but that's not my argument to fight. That's for the, for the, for the FA to sort out and make the right decisions. That referee was very quick to get the red card out. Make it out what you will, but... Uh, I've accepted it and move on. He sounds pretty disappointed, doesn't he? Um, the interesting thing, I suppose, Sammy, was that he was never really like that as a player, Frank Lampard. No, but I guess in management, um, you know, you, you, you're fighting for every meal, aren't you? It's a lot of pressure. There's, there, if you don't perform as a player, of course there's massive pressure. And playing at Chelsea, it's not like it was a, it was a free ticket, but 
you you are always thinking I'm five games for the chop here and, and a 1-0 defeat to Rotherham looks really really bad it puts massive pressure on the next game and who knows what that can do to anyone if, if if in any walk of life you walk into your job and you think if I don't do well today uh, and maybe for the next couple of weeks I could lose my job I know he's not going to be struggling for money but he wants to make this his career the, the pressure must be so enormous it does strange things to to different people but, but also the other thing is you have to remember Derby County do have about 475 players in their squad so maybe he was coming out of the area to try and sort of sheep them together like a like a shepherd <laughs> like a herder They've spent a lot of money, haven't they, Derby? A lot of pressure on them to do well. It's the most championship team you can get. Every player is just so basic championship. It's it's just untrue. It's brilliant. Quite contrast to Brentford, though, the way they've done it. And I'll tell you what, Brentford have had more success, haven't they, over the last few years? At the moment, yes, we have. And we're actually playing Derby County after we play Ipswich on Tuesday. We're playing them on Saturday. So we're going up there for a bit of a day out. And I think that's going to be a real tester for us to see exactly where we are. Obviously, we're going to be away from home. We haven't won away from home this season. We've drawn a bit, but we we haven't won away from home. And uh, because they're playing against Derby, they have signed a lot of players. They are still trying to find their feet and trying to find their style. Uh, again, speaking to the Derby fans, they're like one minute they're going, "Oh, we're terrible," but they've got so much hope and so much sort of kind of like you know they they believe because the fact is that they, you know, they get twenty five, twenty eight thousand. It does you know raw. No given right though, is there? You know, there is absolutely no well, given right. The championship right. shows you that more than anything, right? But it does. It, it does indeed. And like I said to you, we 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 absolutely relished going to places like this. You know, we've got a phrase where people say, you know. Ah, we should be beating teams like Brentford. So we've got T-shirts that print up which actually go teams like Brentford because that is the phrase that people say against us. But after being in the league for now four seasons now, you know, we we would like to think that there's less teams doing the old teams like Brentford thing. Unfortunately, it still does happen. So like I said to you, Derby County are a team which I believe are living on a bit of hype, living on a lot of money, and, the, and the, it's a bit of a joke, this Frank Lampard's Derby thing is a joke because it's almost like you're giving them extra status. But yeah. I don't see why everyone thinks that suddenly, just because <laughs> they got Frank Lampard, an inexperienced manager, that they were suddenly going to get to the Premier League. It's I was brilliant. listening to a Chelsea fan on the radio the other day and he was saying, well, yeah, obviously I think it's likely, because they were talking about Mason Mount, and they are saying, yeah. well, it's likely Derby will be in the Premier League next season. I was saying, why? Why is it likely they're going to be in the Premier League just because you don't really understand the Championship and just think because Frank Lampard's gone there, you're going to suddenly walk the league I just and he's been really hot and cold hasn't he when you look at the results that they've had you know, they've had a couple of thrashings they've had a couple of interesting wins but then the Rotherham defeat at the weekend you know just suggests that it, it's not quite right yet no, he's a rookie he's a complete and utter rookie manager and the fact is that you know again as we have found and, and Fulham has found and other people have found that it takes time for you to grow and you and it's not only just people also think you put a manager in and everything's going to be all right. But your whole infrastructure has got to be right. And if you put a manager into a, a, a club that's not happening, it's all over. Look at Sunderland. Sunderland, oh, yeah, they got, you know, um, and they put the manager in and still, bam, and they've gone down to Division 1 because their yeah. infrastructure isn't right. You need, to, you need to build your club from the bottom and all the way up and through. And that's when your club's going to have to start to survive. And I'm not sure whether Derby County, because they had problems. I mean, last season, I heard that they were financially in all sorts of pickles and there was fights going on with the chairman and people weren't happy with things. So I've got a feeling that things aren't 100% great behind the scenes. Uh, Sammy, any other business tonight? Uh, I quite enjoyed the uh, the Blackpool players fighting yes. <laughs> at the weekend uh, amongst themselves. Shades of uh, Dyer and Boya, which yep. is um, still just one of those YouTube clips you, you stumble ac- <laughs> across occasionally and just revel in the fact that that actually happened in, in a Premier League match. The the uh, the two Blackpool players that, that fought 
Um, if let's say Dyer and Boya was the heavyweight clash, this was more the welterweight. <laughs> yeah, um, it certainly wasn't quite as vicious uh, as we saw back in uh, at St James's Park. But I, you gotta love, you gotta love a couple of players on the same team fighting each other. Of course, I'm sure Blackpool fans uh, won't think the same. I just you got to feel for Blackpool, haven't you? It's just such a mess up there, and then things like that happen, and you're just tearing your hair out because um, there's so many troubles off the pitch you'd rather that the uh, the fights didn't spoil onto it but with tensions running so high at that club you're not surprised they were winning as well that's what I don't understand at least when Bowyer and Dyer did it they were losing 3-1 at home to Aston Villa they were beat they were winning 1-0 they got the win in the end hung yeah. on just that's yeah right. exactly that's long right. trip home as well I tell you what if you've been sent off for fighting yeah. too must have been a quiet team coach on the way back that's right no, yeah. the cards would have been played in silence <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, gents, it's been great tonight. Really enjoyed it. Um, Billy Grant, Sammy James, uh, West London football fans, respectively. Um, let's just have a couple of predictions while we've got a couple of minutes briefly um, ahead of this weekend. And in fact, of course, Billy, first of all, for you, Brentford play tomorrow night away at Ipswich. You'll be there, I'm sure. Um, predictions ahead of the game? Um I'm I'm trying to hold it down like I did like I said to you. <laughs> Ipswich Ipswich haven't won this season. You no, know, that's the whole thing that we need to. Brentford second. Yeah, but we're different. I think we're different. We're different now. And is it at Portman Road? Yeah, it's yeah. At Portman Road. Uh, last season, and, and, and I've got a table where if you look at us last season, I just pulled a table up where we were actually at this time last season. You can see this. We were 23rd. Seven games played. Wow. We were 23rd oh, on, on three was. points. Look at that. You know. 23rd what on three points, and makes. now we're you know second on 14 points. We were struggling, but we were playing fantastic football last season, but we just weren't getting the points. We've learned a lot since then, and I'd just like to say that we go to Ipswich and we do what we need to do. I would like to think we're going to win 2-0 at Ipswich tomorrow, but we can't, you know, we've got to take them seriously, and I think that's what we do now, as opposed to maybe beforehand where we go to look at Ipswich and think we're going to beat them. Sammy, um, Watford at home, Saturday lunchtime. I think this is when you can start to judge Fulham because at yeah. the moment I think we've had some difficult games and uh, you could say that the first game against Palace we were brand new to the division but Watford at home on Saturday is kind of when the serious business starts and Watford have had a great start. Um, I know they lost on Saturday. They've played a lot of the big teams and, uh, and done extraordinarily well but when you put the two teams side by side I still think Fulham have got more than enough quality to beat Watford it's the visa against his old club the club that he took to the Premier League so that's an interesting narrative from from that point that I'm sure the TV cameras will uh, will highlight it's our first game on the telly as well I think Fulham will win I think we've had a few critics in the last few weeks people saying oh 120 million it's not looking like it but ultimately I think we have got enough to beat Watford it's going to be a really difficult game but I think it might be a bit of a statement and I reckon I don't think we'll keep a clean sheet because we can't defend at the moment I think it might be an entertaining 3-1 or 3-2 interesting gents well done and on Saturday we're going to beat Frank Lampard's Derby. Ah, absolutely <laughs> can't nil. wait 2-0 oh, at Pride Park gents great stuff thanks for being with us tonight uh, Billy Grant from the Be Sotted podcast and Sammy James from the Fulhamish podcast great to have you with us tonight on TalkSport 2 Live the fans forum uh, lots of championship commentary coming up throughout the week on TalkSport 2 including Leeds against Preston tomorrow night TalkSport 2 tonight comes up later on uh, but coming up here next on TalkSport 2 it's Darren Goff's Cricket Week the TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. 
That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.